This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Monday, June 1st, 2020 edition of Invest Talk. And I thank you for joining me on this Monday afternoon or whenever you're listening to it. And I come to you with, you know, a heavy heart with what is happening uh, in, in our country. Um, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the the riots, the social uprising that has come about uh, after the horrific video of uh, George Floyd being murdered, right uh, on on camera, and it's been it's been tough. Uh, it's been a tough time for the country, and that was certainly a, a match. You know, that's the way I look at it. You know, it's 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 one of a long line of uh, of cases that. Are are tough for the minority communities to to deal with in this country, uh, understandably, and it comes on the heels of really the way I look at it is there's a lot of kindling here uh, that that this was a match to spark. You had people cooped up in their homes for months, which from you know psychological standpoint that's very difficult, uh, and then you have the COVID nineteen crisis that has created economic problems for many people, but certainly most impacted are those of lower incomes, right? That work in the hospitality field. Uh, and so the inner cities, the, 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 the people who make less than the medium wage, they have been affected more directly. Uh, and that certainly weighs on this. And then you add the record divide between the wealthy and the poor, right? We're at levels pre-1929, right? The highest really ever. Uh, and a lot of that has to do with, with government policy. Uh, so you add all these things together and you have the making of social uprising and now there's definitely some bad actors out there that uh and i i definitely don't condone you know rioting and looting uh you know uh, and there's bad actors that are that are certainly sparking parts of this but at the same time there's there's real concern uh and i don't think this concern is gonna going to go away until there's a, some sort of action. Now, what that action is, whether that's on the state level or on the federal level, I think is yet to be seen. But this is another shot across the bow of the economy getting back to normal, right? There, there's certainly, I would imagine, there has to be some level of concern for a reacceleration in COVID. Uh, and that's just kind of the backstory at this point. Right? How long are these social uprisings going to go on for? Right? Uh, will we be able to get to a point where it gets a hundred percent peaceful? Because surely the vast majority of the protesters are peaceful, but you have ones that that are not, um, with, from various factions, various motivations, some 
are just bored. Some are, are trying to create problems. There kind of, kind of comes, uh, I think, across different motivations. I think there's, there's not just one reason why it's happening. There's a lot, right? Like I said, there's a lot of kindling here. Uh, and so when can we get to a place where we're not having curfews, right? I know here uh, in Orange County last night, it was a 6 p.m. curfew, and we d- really don't have uh, much uh, social uprising here, which which is good, but we even implemented 6 p.m. curfews. So that's another th- aspect that is going to slow the return to normalcy, slow the return to normalcy from a spending standpoint, not just from a living standpoint, but even if we get back to some level of, of normalcy, if you're a shop owner, are you going to invest in remodeling, rebuilding, uh, improving your establishment if maybe it gets looted? Right? What what level of confidence are corporations going to have in this environment, right? Uh, Minneapolis, they burned targets, they burned auto zones. There was, uh, I think, Walmart. This is, this is certainly bad for big corporations as well. So I hope we get back to some level of normal life soon and, and lifestyle. Uh, but Ultimately, you're here for financial guidance. And one thing a lot of people do ignore is the political risk around the markets, the economy, certain industries, right? Especially because over the past 10, 20 years, you've really had both Republican and Democrat administrations really be very lax when it came to corporate regulation, uh, antitrust, etc. You know, you get mentions of it, but when was the last time you saw a, tr- a real antitrust crackdown on a particular industry or a blocking of a major merger? Now, it's happened here and there, but it's pretty rare. And... If you get a political tide change, and I've talked about this before, uh, about a month ago, was it? I read uh, the passage from the fourth turning, and guess what? This is the fourth turning. We're in the fourth turning. So, you know, so I told my girlfriend the other day, I said, if you think 2020 is going to be the craziest year of the 2020s, you're probably mistaken. Because we are in that fourth turning. We're, we're, I think we're at the beginning of some sort of political change. And it's, I don't think it's going to be left or right. I think it's going to be adults in the room coming together to meld the two ideals into something uh, going forward. But we'll see. You know, It might take years. But that also is likely to mean a change in the view of how companies are viewed. What their responsibilities are to the greater good. And... I'm seeing more regulation, more antitrust down the line. You think of what they've talked about with Google and Amazon and Facebook, right? Just look at Trump. Trump's trying to crack down on Twitter and their ability to do X, Y, and Z. This is the new normal. We're also in a cold war with China in a lot of ways. 
So a lot of what I would call there's quantitative analysis, which are the numbers, right? I call up, I talk about this, talk about that, profitability. What about qualitative analysis? And in today's world, qualitative analysis is going to be increasingly more important. Now you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and the summer is coming up quickly. And when will the country be back in high gear? And when will the government riots get the riots under control? And how can you better be be better prepared for the market swings that are to come? We can talk about this, and your participation participation is important to get in the mix. So now I'm ready to take your questions and provide unbiased answers to your finance investment questions at 888-99-CHART. You are listening to Talk. All 50 states have started reopening their economies, but with different stages and at different paces. But now you've got finance and investment questions and Steve and Justin welcome your calls. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. Hi, I am looking at WBA Walgreens. I saw today they were reopening their stores and taking back their uh, standard hours. I just wanted to know what you thought about it. It looks like it's been pretty flat. Maybe it has found a bottom around $42. I just wanted to see if you thought this would come back. Okay, thanks. Bye. All right, looking at Walgreens Boots Alliance. This is about a, let's see, what's the market cap? About 37 billion. Enterprise value about 54 billion. So they have a decent amount of debt on their, their balance sheet. And I think that's the biggest issue here. Enterprise value to is only eight and a half. That's pretty cheap. Yields about 4%. That payout ratio is, is fine. In, in this range, or in the 30, uh, 35% or so, 30, sorry, 47% is their payout ratio, cash dividend pay ratio, 32%. So from a cash flow perspective, that dividend looks pretty solid, and it is pretty cheap. My issue here is the debt level, uh, but I think they can manage their way through it. Uh, it's not so big that it's going to overwhelm, uh, I think, their business. But technically, it remains in a downtrend, but it's starting to show a little life here. So I kind of like it. You've seen the 50-day flatten out, and it actually just broke above the 50-day on Friday and confirmed that. And when you break a big resistance level, you don't want to see just one day right, that it, it does it, or even one week, you want to see multiple days, multiple weeks to, to solidly stay above that resistance level. And so if it can close this week above that 50-day moving average, I would give it a good thumbs up here uh, because I, I like the, the pattern that it's forming. And if value gets a resurgence, and that's really what this is about, right, this is a boring business. It's Drugstore, certainly they've affected somewhat by the COVID crisis, but I, I, I think ultimately they'll, they'll be fine. Revenues last quarter were up 4%, earnings down 7 So that's the biggest issue here is that margin compression. The last five quarters, earning, revenues have been positive year over year, but earnings have been negative year over year. And in fact, in 2020, analysts are expected to have profits fall 9%. So... 
you know, I, I kind of like it from a value perspective, from a technical perspective, it's getting much better. It's still relatively weak, relative strength 37 if you're looking at it from a long-term perspective, but I like the short-term uh, action here. Uh, and if va- value is going to have to have that turn here. Value is going to need to outperform growth for money to flow into names like this. If it doesn't, then I think uh, then then that's an issue. But if it does, Walgreens is a name that will definitely get some flows, and I kind of like it at this point. My main talking point today concerns the story. Why investors started pouring trillions of dollars into ETFs. In 2008, U.S. investors had around 530 billion in ETFs, and that is now $4 trillion today. So we're going to dig into that topic. Also, we're going to look at China, China's and their China and their uh, their consumer. What has that looked like? What is spending right? Because they've they went into this crisis. Talking about the COVID crisis, now you have to delineate between which crisis. But you went into this crisis earlier, and it came out of it earlier. So there's a little bit more you can glean from their numbers. Now, obviously, their numbers are a little skewed, but I think uh, the, this data looks uh, looks pretty solid. So we're going to touch on that. Also, there's been a lot of Talk about Roth conversions. Now, this is the perfect time to do a Roth conversion. I'm going to talk about what that is and what maybe the pitfalls may be if you are going to do a Roth conversion. Not to say you shouldn't do it, but make sure you go into, just like anything, with your eyes wide open. And we're going to touch on that. And then lastly, we're going to look into history to look at other crises in the past and ways that companies, individuals can capitalize on them. And hopefully a little history lesson will do that for you as well. So that's what's on the docket for me today. Let's look at the market real quick. You had overall, it was a, a positive day. Oddly enough, uh, S&P was up, up 11 and the NASDAQ was up about 62 you had, which is about three quarters of 1%. The Russell was the strongest, uh, a little stronger than that, a little less than 1% there. Uh, so I still think June is the month we roll over, but you know, so far, everything looks fine. But I think we're getting a little long in the tooth in this rally. I think we have about a week or two left. You listen to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and we have posted an all new Best of Invest Talk program. Is a condensed podcast and ready for you to download for free at investtalk.com. You can also find it on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Just search Invest Talk. Give me a call. I'm ready for your answer, your questions at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk, the radio program and podcast dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom. You may be a regular listener. You may even have called a few times, but if you've never called, what are you waiting for? The phone lines are open, and Steve and Justin would love to hear your questions right now. Call 888-99-CHART. Hi, yeah, this is Jake Husk from Salt Lake City. I was just calling about a couple companies I'm interested in and watching. One of them is uh, Ollie's, O-L-L-I, Bargain Outlet. I have a good idea they're going to be picking up in the next couple years or, you know, weathering the uh, coronavirus storm. The other one would be Lamat Vascular. I'm probably butchering the name. L-M-A-T. They're one I've been watching for a while, but with, you know, everything going on, elective surgeries being kind of down, wondering what you think about them. And uh, I've got pretty good idea on price for both companies. I wanted to see maybe where you would uh, pick it up at. 
love the show and looking forward to hearing your response um, on the podcast. Thanks. Bye. All right, looking at Ollie Barganella, O-L-L-I. This is a name that's been on a huge tear since uh, March, since the bottom. Down from 43, all the way from 38, excuse me, all the way to 90. So it's come a long, long way. And certainly there's been some rotation or, or some expectation that these type of stores, bargain stores, are going to get an increasing share of the customer's wallet who you know, maybe out of work or, or uh, just simply more frugal. So you have a pretty, pretty steep price uh, up here at 91.66 of the close today. So I like what you're looking at, but I would need a pretty big pullback here for me to, to get interested uh, in this name. And I think something back around the, uh, the mid sixties, that's some, that's an area that I would, I would like to own it. You know, typically if that's where it broke out uh, around 70, yeah, call it, let's call it $70. $70, I would love this. Uh, but now at $91, uh, I, I don't think so. And it looks pretty toppy. Actually, yesterday, you got a topping tail candle along with very high volume. So I would not be shocked to see this come back in in the near term. But if it does get down to 70, that's going to be some pretty strong support. And if you agree with the thesis that more and more people are going to be looking for bargains, then this is a name that would work for you. LMAT. Lemetter Vascular. This is uh, this broke down in early February before the coronavirus crisis, and it stayed below the 200-day for that whole period, below the 100-day. It retested in April and failed. Uh, you know, it's trying, uh, but I just don't. I don't like the chart uh, overall. I, I understand the business. It's uh, it develops implantable vascular devices to uh, address needs when you're doing surgery, when a doctor's doing surgery, but their business is just it's not growing fast enough. It's not producing enough cash flow for the, the market uh, value, only about $12 million in free cash flow trailing 12 months, and it's a $540 million company. So, you know, I just don't love it here. The return equity is in the low teens, which is fairly low for that industry. Uh, they don't have a lot of debt, which is good, but I just I don't like the profitability metrics, so I'm going to pass on that one. I like Ollie better, but only on a pullback. 88.99 chart, 88.992.4278. Let's touch on our main talking point today, and it talks about, you know, you know, sometimes we have, we always have articles. If you ever go to our website, you'll see we have articles accompanying the main talking point for the day, and a lot of times I agree with the points. In this article, it's not, there's not really a lot of points. It's just kind of saying that investors have poured a lot more money into ETFs, about $530 billion in 2008, all the way to $4 trillion today. And the marketplace has expanded. It used to be just index funds, but now you have funds that follow niche sectors, and you have leveraged ETFs, inverse ETFs. You have actively managed funds that are launching. So there are a lot of ways to gain exposure to so many different types of strategies and, and sub-segments of the market. And I think that is great. I think that is great. It helps investors simplify the process of investing if they want to gain exposure to a particular sector. My main issue is typically those subsets 
of the market, people are chasing, right? They're looking at which ones are hot or which ones are most interesting, which one's being talked about, and that's how they invest, right? So they don't look at valuation. So that's part of it. And that's, that's really the market as a whole, right? Uh, no one's really focusing on valuation anymore. It's a narrative-based market. It's all about the narrative, which companies, which ones are people excited about? And historically, those are markets that don't do that well uh, long-term, right? You have... Eventually, you have to focus on profits, uh, and the subsectors of the of the market, even the index funds of the market, it's this mantra of the narrative, the story, the indexing story, or the story about a particular subsector of the market, and that's how people are allocating their capital, not based on valuations, not based on earnings and cash flow, etc. And that's my biggest biggest issue here. And my biggest issue with this article is the end. And it says that while ETFs are typically low cost, which is true, and it says low risk when tracking a broad core market index. And that's my issue here, is that investors don't understand the risk typically of what they're investing in. And the mantra of the industry is that it is low risk. Well, guess what? Anytime you're investing in equities, not going to be low risk. If anyone ever tells you that, if you ever read that, be very weary of who is speaking that. Now, the next and best talk, this story. A strategist is warning that the stock market now has another risk bubbling up. Combination of renewed train tensions and uncertainty over the coronavirus could find its way into a market that has proven resilient since mid-March lows. Steve will touch on that tomorrow. But for now, I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. At the start of each new day, we are presented with opportunities. The chance to learn better ways of doing things. The prospect for establishing stronger business connections. But as you go about your daily routine, there's one task. One challenge you should not put off. The need to plan for and work toward achieving financial freedom. That point in the future when your money, your assets are working for you while you work only if you want to. Getting from here to there to your idea of financial freedom is possible. However, serious investors eventually recognize that unless they can afford to devote the time and efforts required to thoroughly understand market dynamics, to properly balance, optimize, and maintain their portfolios, expert guidance will be essential. The moment that spark of reality hits, you will want to consult with Steve Peasley and Justin Klein of KPP Financial in Irvine, California. KPP Financial Consultations are unbiased, offered without cost or obligation, and designed to help guide individuals toward their ultimate financial objectives. The next highly beneficial step for your investing future can start when you reach out to Steve or Justin via Skype, a phone call, or a quick message through investtalk.com. You are listening to Invest Talk. On the calendar, summer will be here soon. But now you've got finance and investment questions, and Steve and Justin welcome your calls. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve and Justin. I just had a really quick question, kind of about technical analysis and things like that. I just 
trying to understand some people make a big deal out of volume. And I just wondered if you could give me a little insight into how to read and understand volume and what it means when volume goes up versus when it goes down. And if there's patterns you can look for. Just wondering what your thoughts are. Thanks for taking my call. Hope to hear this on the show. Thanks. Yes, volume, it does matter to a degree. Uh, I typically use volume as an indicator of peak pessimism or peak optimism. Uh, and I combine that with the chart pattern as well. Uh, you know, I talked about that the with the last stock. I think it was oh, Ollie. Yeah, Ollie. So Friday, it had what is called a topping tail, meaning in tech terms, technical terms, it means it has a huge trading range throughout the day, but it closed roughly at the same price that it opened. And it's at the top end of the chart, and it had the highest volume since late last year. And that is an example of an indecisive market, right, trying to continue to go up, closed basically where it opened on very high volume, which means either there, there was a lot of shares trading hands, meaning uh, maybe shorts capitulated out, right? And maybe peak optimism around getting into that stock. And typically that takes a lot of the stock out of the, the market and it can you know fall from there, right? And it's there's weak hands, you know, so stock, stock starts to fall it kind of builds on itself and more money comes out of it. That's, that's one theory at least, but that's what I look at, right? Is, is volume in context to the every, everything else. You can never use volume as one thing. It's never one factor that is important when it comes to making a trade, making an entry. Uh, it's multitude of factors. I try to line up multiple things in order to get a uh, better timing on entries and exit of a particular position. So volume matters but only in context to everything else. 88899 chart, 88992 is how you get through and ask your question on today's show. I wanna to touch on a couple quick things. One is the Chinese consumer. And we know that their economy in January, February really was ground to a halt, right? Because of their coronavirus hitting them sooner. And therefore, the recovery it can be a learning point for us. And you can look at how their consumers have reacted post-coronavirus, post-reopening, right? And if you look at retail sales, there's a really lack of enthusiasm around non-discretionary items, apparel, jewelry, household appliances, etc., from March, retail sales there were down 16%, 15.8, and April, 7.5. So better, but still, year over year, down a lot. And that's something uh, we're not, you know, a lot of people are not discussing is that, yes, we can get back to 90%. If we get back to 90% of where we were before as an economy, that is still a depression. Right, the last financial crisis, I think the GDP fell 5.8, if I remember correctly, peaked the trough. So a 10% would be roughly double the financial crisis. Now, online retail has now recovered in China to rise of 1.7% from a year earlier, but 
That's well below what it was pre-crisis, which was 16% year over year. So it's not just whether a data point is positive or negative. Is is it trending better than it did before? And where is the plateau of that trend? Right, Because if consumer spending goes from 15.8 negative to 7.5 negative, that's trending positive. 7.5 is actually pretty good. Because remember, stocks are valued based on a rate of change. Growth stocks, if you're growing 70% year over year and suddenly your growth drops to 50, valuation will fall. 50 is still great, but it's not what the market had priced in. So understand that rate of change perspective that is very important for valuations, for the economy as a whole. You look at unemployment claims. It was down from, what was it, 3 million to 2 million week over week. So that rate of change was less. Where does it plateau is the question. Where do continuous jobless claims, something I talked about on Friday on my YouTube video. If you go to YouTube, Invest Talk page, you'll see my YouTube video there from Friday. Go over the entire market. It's about a 12, 13 minute video. Talk about that. That while 2 million job losses is bad, it's better than it's been. And the continuous jobless claims actually fell from 25 million to 21 million. That is good. I'm trying to give you some perspective here. A lot of people ask that, oh, well, they beat earnings or they're, they're doing really well. Shouldn't it continue to go up? Well, well is always relative. You know, uh, and you'll see that here with a lot of these value stocks. If they go from no growth to just a little growth, suddenly valuations can be dramatically higher. So it can work both ways. If you go from negative 30% sales growth to negative 10, that's a big, big difference in valuations can improve. So negative 10 is bad, but it's not as bad. So remember, data is always relative to the past and the trend going forward. 8899 chart, 8892 We have about eh, 15 minutes left in the show to get your call in and let's keep things moving. Here comes another caller question from 8899 chart. Hey, Stephen Justin. This is Matt from Baltimore. I was calling about Beyond Meat. The ticker is BYND. I made some purchases the other day, and I thought I bought it at around 97, and now it's up to around 126. I was wondering if it's too late. Do you think that's too high? Thank you, guys. Appreciate all you do. Yeah, I'm not a fan of Beyond Meat at these valuations. You're talking about growth is good, but this is a good example of that growth slowing. Three quarters ago, revenues were up 287%. And last quarter, they were up 141%. So you're seeing slowing growth. Earnings are expected to be 15%, 15 cents this year, 56 cents next year, and it's $138 stock. So the valuation is pretty dramatic. And I don't think that this market is big enough to support that $8.6 billion valuation. I think it's staying. It's, it's not going away, 
But does Beyond Meat have a lock on the alternative meat category? No. There are other bigger players that can add capacity. Right? That's one of the things they raise capital because they need to raise, they need to add capacity. Uh, but they've yet to do so at a very profitable level. Return on equity is negative 1%. Same with return on assets. Good thing is they have cash. They don't have any debt. I don't think they're going away. But the valuation here is just very, very stretch. stretch. Enterprise value EBIT is 1,000 almost, 988. Extremely stretched. So uh, I think that's actually a good short candidate as those growth levels continue to decelerate, which I expect them to do. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. Yes, the economy is reopening in phases. And most of us realize that this resumption of strong, uh, strong economic activity is going to take some time. And as we move along, we, we need to reassess how our portfolios can handle the coming economy. Right? This isn't over. This Yes, we're focusing on the social unrest, but that doesn't mean that the economic crisis, the health crisis is going to go away. So you need to take steps to optimize your portfolio, especially in these volatile times. So I encourage you to reach out to myself or Steve Peasley at our KPP financial offices in Irvine, California. We can help you. We want to help you. Whether you're a conservative investor, whether you're an aggressive investor, whether you're younger, or whether you're a pre-retiree or retiree, you can get started with a no-cost portfolio review by going to investtalk.com and clicking on portfolio review. And now I'm here. I'm ready to provide unbiased answers to your finance and investing questions at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk. Steve and Justin have just recorded a new rapid-fire hour at a faster pace you can hear answers to 29 caller questions. The podcast download is free. Go to investtalk.com, search April Bonus Show. And now the phone lines are open. Steve and Justin welcome your calls. 888 chart Hi, this is Zach from Michigan. I had a question about Blue Rock Residential Growth REIT, BRG. I was looking at it as a long-term hold. I just want to know what you guys thought about it. Thank you so much. Bye. All right, BRG, which is Blue Rock Residential Growth REIT, REIT invests in Class A apartment properties located in growth markets across the United States. Now, I don't know if they have any here in Orange County, but I can tell you this has to be an area where these type of companies are. I've been opening because I see, I've seen dozens and dozens and dozens open. Uh, luxury apartments, you know, with a nice pool and gym and, and high ride, you know, four or five story apartment complexes pop up all over the county. Uh, and this is certainly a company I would have to look, but that would, that would likely, uh, be investing in those type of names yields 9.5%. And that immediately, remember when you're trying, said this on the last show that I was that I hosted on Thursday. That remember, dividend investing is not about finding the highest dividend. It's about sustainability of that dividend. And this is a name that has a market cap of 166 million, enterprise value of two and a half billion, which tells me that this is a problem, right? They're going to cut that dividend. They're having cash flow issues. This there's a reason it's down this low. 
when you have such a low market cap compared to the debt outstanding on the company, it's the market telling you that bankruptcy is a decent possibility. Remember, REITs are pass-through entities. They, by rule, they can't retain very much of their earnings. They have to pay out 90% of it. So naturally, their debt is going to grow over time. And that's my issue here is they just have a lot of debt. That dividend is certainly going to be cut. Their cash dividend pay ratio is 784%. Payout ratio is 168%. And you know these are using traditional metrics. REITs are a little bit different. But that level of coverage is way too extreme. It's definitely going to get cut. And I would say this is a very high, high risk investment. Once again, if you're seeing 9, 10, 12% yields on stocks in this environment, it's because they're very high risk. If you're okay with that, if you do the deep equity analysis and really understand their business, which obviously I can't do right here with this name, if you understand how they're going to work their way out of it, and you're willing to take that risk, then you buy it. But you don't buy these names because, oh, it pays a 9% dividend or a 10% dividend. Because guess what? In a bad economic environment, in a deflationary economic environment, debt becomes shackles to a business. And oftentimes that leads to bankruptcy. So I would need to do a deeper dive on this, but from surface level, it looks extremely high risk. And once again, dividend investing is about dividend sustainability, not that yield that it pays today. 8899 chart, 8899242278. So I get through and ask your question. We have about 10 minutes left. So if you're going to do it, you want to do it right now. Let's touch on IRA conversions. This is something, sorry, not just IRA conversions, Roth conversions. That's a better way to say it because There have been a lot of headlines about this is a good time to convert your IRA or even traditional 401k into a Roth. And you may be able to do that at your work, right? You You have to check that if they offer a Roth 401k. But either way, this could be a good time to do that conversion and cash in on a few things. One, lower tax rates. Right? We just passed the, the Tax Cut and Jobs Act a couple years ago. That's lowered tax rates more broadly. Number two, maybe you are in sales and you're not going to have as much commissions this year. Maybe you were furloughed. Maybe you're even laid off. Your income most likely has been affected by this crisis. And therefore, your tax rate is going to be lower most likely for a lot of people. And then your portfolio, because we're down on the year, is likely lower than it was last year. And therefore, you're converting at a lower value. So your taxes will be less. So that's the argument around doing a Roth conversion in these times. And this will allow you, upon retirement, to avoid some RMDs, pass your money along to your heirs, if you don't use it all, have a little more tax diversity so you can tax plan in retirement, how much you want to take out of your Roth or your regular, 
right? So there's a lot of advantages to this. But after the break, I'm going to get to the pitfalls. What you have to look out for to make sure that you're not doing this without your eyes wide open. Because part of that tax bill was that if you do a Roth conversion, you can't undo it like you could before. Now we're going to the last break, so I want to help you out. I want to answer your questions at 888-99-CHART. On the next Invest Talk, one strategist is warning that the stock market now has another risk bubbling up. Renewed trade tensions and COVID-19 uncertainty may harm a resilient market. That story tomorrow. And now Justin Klein is here. He'll have unbiased answers, but you've got to call with your questions. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. Now, for the break, I touched on why now is a pretty good time for a lot of people to do a Roth conversion from an IRA or a 401k to a Roth IRA or a Roth 401k. And I'm going to talk about some unintended consequences that will hammer home the fact that if you're going to do this, you need to get professional help. You need to talk to a CPA who really understands the rules, understands your situation so that you don't make a big mistake because it can be very beneficial if you do it right, but it can be very detrimental if you don't do it right. So the first thing is if you have money in an IRA or a 401k that's commingled where there's contributions that are both uh, that have you've already paid tax on and you've and other contributions that you've written off, which are standard contributions, that mix can create problems if you're going to do a Roth conversion. Okay, so if you have any IRAs where there's non-deductible contributions, you need to take that into account. Make sure your, your CPA is aware of that. Second is you want to make sure, and this is what a CPA will help with, is to make sure you don't push all of your income into the next tax bracket, right? Because if you do a conversion and it push you in the next tax bracket, guess what? All of your income is now subject to that higher tax. So you want to make sure you do it up to that next tax bracket so you're not shooting yourself in the foot. And related to that is something called the income-related monthly adjustment amount, which is when it comes to Medicare. So this is for people that are in retirement or you know collecting uh, Medicare. There is a surcharge, okay? And it affects about 7% of medical eligible taxpayers. And it applies if you are single and you earn over 87000 a year or married, filing jointly, over 174000 a year. And it actually scales up as you go higher than that, that, those numbers and can get very high to where you're paying a lot. So if you do a big conversion, you can start getting into this, what is called IRMA, and really shoot yourself in the foot doubly by increasing that medic the Medicare surcharge and it can even affect you in future years because it's an average you know it's complex let's say that so a CPA is definitely going to need to help you have your eyes wide open for that but also if you do it right it can help you avoid these Irma charges as well right because you're paying that tax today maybe before you collect Medicare and in the future, you're not paying that tax. You're not that that RMD, which will become income to you upon retirement, will not be applied, right, to Irma or to your income. 
and help you avoid it. So this is why a good CPA can be very, very important for you to manage your way through a potential Roth conversion. Now let's go to one more caller at 888-99-CHART. Hey, Stephen Jason, a new listener to the show. My name is Dylan. I had a question regarding Wayfair, symbol W. I can't help but recognize this stock just absolutely blowing up over the last two months. And I was curious now with things somewhat going back to normal, if um, shorting this stock would uh, be a good idea or what y'all's thoughts on that would be. Thanks. We're looking at Wayfair, and yeah, this is one of those weird, weird names. It's been all over the place, and it's really never made money, so it's never been a, a good business, and it, this is just one of the weirdest stocks I've ever seen. It was at $168 in April of last year, fell all the way to $30, $28 or so in March, and now it's at $167, hit a high of 193 and technically it does look fairly weak, making a lower high here, MACD crossover, it's losing a ton of money, hemorrhaging cash, I would absolutely stay, I, I, I think this is a good short, uh, yeah, I, I'm a fan of shorting it, put your stop at the high from the, the high in May. And if it closes above that on a daily basis, you can be out. But I think this has a lot of potential downside. So I think it'd be a great short. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. And I will turn on Thursday. Steve Peasley will be here tomorrow. And please remember to download our April bonus show podcast. We call it the Invest Talk Rapid Fire Hour. It is free. Please tell your friends and family members about Invest Talk. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.